Some years ago, um, before I trained for the ministry, uh, I went on a business trip uh, to New Mexico. And much of the land of that state is a sort of dry, barren, uh, empty. And as you fly over it, you see small circles. They're actually probably quite big if you're on the ground, but when you're up high, you go, oh, there's little circles down there. And it's where people have been irrigating crops. And the, the water sprinkler goes round and you get this circle of greenness. And quite often you see patches of them. But then as you fly further beyond that, I, and I was heading um, to Albuquerque, you get to the Rio Grande. This big river flowing through the desert. And either side of it, you see a green strip stretching on mile after mile into the distance. It's not simply a ribbon of water, but it's a river of life. That's there. There's bushes, there's trees. There's continuous lushness of a much darker green, fresher variety than those little circles that were out in the middle of the desert. Far more than those human endeavors is the work of God. Water changes things. And of course, you don't need to go to a desert to see that. If you go to the coast and see the cliffs, you see how they crumble as the waves attack them. If you go along to Cookmere Haven, you can see not just the meandering shaping of the landscape, but as it comes out into the sea, there's like a small delta form, not as vast as some of the ones we might see other places, but you can see that there's been deposition. And if you go down any path just outside Linfield, you soon find yourself in a quagmire. You know, what is rock hard in the summer with a bit of water over the winter becomes a completely different substance. Water changes things. In the dry place, if there's no river to irrigate, to drink, to wash, then the answer is sometimes a well. But they're not as accessible as a stream. They don't have that lushness automatically round about them. They might be restricted. It's the size that's been able to be dug or the small crack that's opened in rocks. Not many can have access at one time. 
But the Samaritan woman was not there by herself simply because of the diameter of the well or the depth that it was down. Women in places with wells, even if it's limited access, tend to gather there in numbers. We see that still in places such as in uh, some countries of Africa, where the water is still outside of the village, and people have to go and collect it. People go in numbers. It's a place of social interaction. It's like a school gate. It's like an aerobics class. Not that I've ever been to one. It's like the art group on a Monday morning. It's like stepping stones on a Tuesday. The people go there for a specific purpose, but it also has a secondary nature. It's the place of community, the place of support, the place of encouragement. The place to share joys and sorrows, to seek advice, a place where you can maybe simply relax and be yourself. The well is the place to receive more than one form of refreshment. As the threat of coronavirus comes, the measures that might be needed to avoid its spread become apparent. And we as a church must remember that it is not only the, the physical separation and the need for food and drink and medicine that is important, but there'll be a psychological isolation too. And we must endeavor to see how we can emotionally support and provide pastoral care for each other through telephone, text, internet, whatever technical means. The potential loss of meeting with friends, the inability to natter at the 21st century well, is a challenge that we must recognize and respond to as we care for one another. The woman in our passage has missed out on that social interaction, that social refreshment. She is in self-isolation, not locked within her house. She doesn't have an infection She's not afraid of infection either. But she is there in the heat of the middle of the day because she is isolating herself from how society sees her. She has no husband, yet she has a partner and has what? would have been considered in the time a bit of a history. 
She is the, other, the one that others talk about at the well rather than talk to, rather than talk with. It would have been well understood and accepted if Jesus had not engaged her in conversation. Nobody else did. She is an unrelated, unknown woman. That would have been a barrier enough in that time for Jesus to have stayed quiet, to have minded his own business. That she was a woman of a different understanding of faith, still Abrahamic but not Jewish, might be another immediate barrier. That she was a woman of another faith and of a sixth relationship in a culture where divorce was not accepted in the way it is today might be a third reason not to talk. But Jesus, in the place of interaction, engages her in conversation. He makes her feel welcome. He does not condone her past relationships, but nor does he condemn them. Instead, he offers her life. He offers her something that she could never get by herself, something that she could never get from anybody else. He offers her refreshment, not of the water in the well, but of the water of life, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. At this time, when many feel vulnerable, and not just with the unknownness of the, the virus itself bringing fear, but there are issues around the uncertainty of employment and personal finances that are also bringing concern. Even though we are not in isolation, we might feel alone. We might feel we're struggling. But God is with us. We are loved by God. God loves you. He doesn't care it doesn't matter what has happened in your life. He continues to love. He doesn't care about those things. He loves you. Yes, he might want you to change. He might want you to do things differently. But he loves you. 
And he is concerned about what happens to you. That's why the Father sent the Son. Because he loves you. And he loves your family. And he loves your neighbors. And he loves those that are the extreme opposite of you in society. Which is kind of what the Samaritan woman in the well was to Jesus, isn't it? A different faith, a different sex, a completely different background. But yet loved. God even loves the greedy person that has bought so much toilet roll they can't get back into their own bathroom. God loves them. And it takes a moment for that penny to drop with the Samaritan woman, what he's saying. He's offering me a drink, but how can he give me a drink? But when it connects, she sees something of the fullness of who he is something of the greatness. Although she's a Samaritan, the Samaritans, like the Jews, had been waiting for a Messiah to come. They had been waiting for the Christ. And now she sees that there is something of life. And she wants it. And she wants others to find it too. She's still cautious with her words. Many have rejected her in the past. But she does not reject them. She summons them. She goes to the village, to the people that usually stay away from her, and says, come, come, come. She brings them back to the well, the well where she has left her water jar lying, lying abandoned because she has found something far greater to drink. On offer is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that will refresh and revive. She's found the Messiah. She wants others to find him too. It's part of our faith to say to the village, look, here, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. There is hope for life in all of its fullness. And we can declare in him there is no rejection of any individual. Instead, there is love. Now, of course, throughout the year, we do this in a number of ways. We do it in November with hot chocolate. We do it at Village Day with lemonade. 
We do it every week in Stepping Stones. We do it maybe once a month in Missy Church. We do it in school assemblies. We do it in the fellowship. We do it at the art group. We do it so many times in so many different ways. Saying there's something here. Sometimes we do it more openly than others. But the purpose is to say to the village, come. Come. Here's the Christ. Here's the one that you can have hope in. Now in coming days and weeks, we might have to curtail some of our regular events some of what we are planning. Those things might have to change due to regulations. I've got 60 little Easter eggs. I'm going to be eating a lot of chocolate, perhaps. (laughs) Hopefully I'll be able to distribute them. If things change, we must not lose sight of that vision of being God's people who reach out to the community, who say to our neighbors, you are loved. God loves you. That even though we might not be able to gather, we can still say, come. Come and discover what church is like in new ways. Be it through the online streaming, be it through a compact disc. Maybe it's going to be through something you simply do, shoving a note through your neighbor's door. But we have to say that they have loved and that we know God's love. Emmeline's parents yesterday had a card through their letterbox from a neighbour down the road. Emmeline's parents have lived in the same house for 50 years this year. They know the people of the street. They've been there as folk have come and folk have gone. But the card that came through the door was from somebody who has only recently moved in. And it had an offer of assistance and their mobile phone number. The media has reported the supermarket shortages, the the greed of panic buying, the breakdown of the normal, politely British way of doing things. But yet there are also individuals making introductions, offering a virtual hand. You don't actually want to offer somebody a hand at the moment, do you? But offering a hand, showing love to their neighbor. And I encourage you to think whether you could do something likewise. Jesus looks at the Samaritan village 
and he says even before the, the folk come to him, the, the fields are ripe for the harvest. The people were ready to receive him. In this time of challenge, may we realize that the people of our community need love and they need hope, just as we do. There is no greater love than that seen in Jesus. There is no greater hope than that received through Jesus the Christ. May we, his people, be not seem to be isolated even when we're shut in our homes. But may we be like a river flowing in the desert, refreshed by God's Holy Spirit. May we see his life touching others. Amen.